Support for this episode comes from Viator. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why Viator has over 300,000 bookable experiences, so there's always something for everyone. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. We've gone a little longer than we thought, but we did get some listener questions. We do have uh, some time maybe for a, a call or two and or some texts. So if you want to get in, 949-542-6241, we'll try and get to you. We do have a question on Twitter, though, John. Um, there is a question from our good friend Sam Anger, and he is across the pond in, in the UK. Um, he says, hey, lads. So you can tell he's, he's from the UK. Um, hey, lads. Uh, sorry, I lost it here. One sec. Hey, lads. Hope you're doing well. Question for Anthony. Do you? Th- well, let's start with yours because he has one for me and one for you. Let's start with yours, John. Question right. for John. Do you think William Jackson III is struggling with Austin's system? If, you so, if, you, if so, do you think it's a lull? Uh, perhaps, I guess. Um, I don't think Austin's scheme directly impacts the way Jackson has been suspect of double moves that he has. I think that's kind of been an issue going back to last year with him, specifically against T.Y. Hilton. That's like the most glaring example. But I think what a lot of people wanted to see from him is, you know, following that team's best receiver. And I'm not sure that's a great idea in the sense that guys are lining up a lot more in the slot. And I don't think that he has the, you know, the, the, the hips to really handle got shifty guys in the slot. So, I, maybe, perhaps, but I just think that Jackson was kind of going with, through the motions early on in the season. But the past like three or four games, he's been playing very good. You know, almost to the level that he was at last year. So I think he was just kind of in a rough patch against very good competition. But he, I think he's coming back, and I don't think it has a lot to do with what Austin is doing on, on as the play caller. Uh, yeah, I, I agree, and I think, um, and, and you might have touched on this a little bit here, but you know. When the Bengals drafted Jackson, it was under Gunther, and Gunther likes those kind of those press man, leave a guy out on the island type of thing. Um, and, you know, that's just not too much of a that's – not, that's not so much what Austin is preaching. We've got a call on the line here, and we'll get to a, a question here. So hang on. Hang tight one sec, John. Hey, it's the Orange and Black Insider. Who's this? Uh, Aaron. Aaron? Yeah, Aaron. Hey, how you doing, bud? Doing all right, man. Thanks for asking. Uh, I think I had a question. I, you know, I've been thinking about this for quite some time, even more so lately with our defense when I haven't been playing. Um, I'm not really sure about the... Like, while I love guys like Gino Atkins and, and, and Carlos Dunlap and whatnot, I think the league is kind of evolving in a way where 
Um, it's really hard to have impact players that defensive tackle position. And it just, you know, it makes me feel sometimes like without the, the you know, rules with hitting the quarterback and how mobile they're getting and how fast they're getting rid of the ball, I just feel like uh, like a lot of our impact players on defense that are on the defensive line, I just don't know how, how sustainable that's going to be going forward with the league going like it is right now. That's a great question, and there's a lot of different caveats to that, and, and John and I will answer that off the air. But before we do, before we uh, get you out of here, Aaron, um, you're, I don't know if you were here earlier in the show when we did a question of the night in terms of uh, Brandon LaFell. I mean, do you as a fan now kind of say, ah, the Bengals should have hung on to him? Or is it kind of like, hey, you know what? doesn't really matter. They're, they're going to get healthy, and uh, they're not missing him too much. They're still 5-3. and three. Yeah, just, you know, there's injuries to the wide receiver group, injuries to tight end, and then there's ineffectiveness towards the back end of the wide receiver group. So, you know, maybe having a LaFell in your back pocket to lean on during, you know, when, when there's a little bit of lead time, that's kind of where, where we were going with that question. I, I, I mean, yeah, I'm sorry, 2020, I mean, I think that it was the right move right at the time because you want to give those young like they'll never develop if they never get the chance. Just sucks that our number one draft pick is always injured. You know, <laughs> that, that, like that's that's just like a crap roll right there. But I mean, I, in hindsight, you can say maybe. But at the time, I think they made the right move. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I just think that um, you gotta you gotta be better at uh, evaluating evaluating the talent that you have at that depth because we've known that Cody Core. We we know what we had in those guys because we've had them for multiple years. So if there was a time to go and get somebody, we felt could contribute a little bit more on the actual catching all part of football. Uh, we definitely should have did that. I feel like that's just a little bit of a bad foresight on the you know coaching to have, if you ask me. But we're on there, just saying. Uh, but uh, thank you guys very much. Got my son here. Let you go. Awesome. Well, hope I, I we hope that you and he. I hope you and your son had a good Halloween. We'll answer your question off the air. Thanks for calling in. Don't be a stranger, buddy. Absolutely. Thank you very much. All right. I thought that's a really interesting question, John, because uh, you know the, the rules against hitting a quarterback now. That's that's interesting. Also, pass happy league, and a lot of teams are getting the ball out so quickly that it's almost like the emphasis is on able linebackers and defensive backs. Um, you know, the big – I think there's always going to be use for a guy, a, a Geno Atkins guy, that, uh, the smaller, quicker guy that can penetrate and get after the quarterback. But, uh, you know, maybe the Andrew Billings guys, the big, you know, run stuffer, whatever, are becoming a little passe. What did, what did you make of that question from, from uh, caller Aaron there? Yeah, there's no doubt that the modern game of football is trying to attack the – modern Bengals linebacker, which is slow and lethargic and isn't able to cover. So, yeah, those guys are obviously going to be liabilities. But, I mean, pressure is king, and Geno Atkins will always uh, – a three technique who can pressure up the middle and collapse the pocket from the inside, that will always have value. But like like you said, the average time to throw is, you know, dropping under two and a half seconds. That's why yeah. he's having such a phenomenal season with Indianapolis is that he's mitigating offensive line issues by getting the ball out quickly. And that's kind of – Dalton uh, is too. Yeah, Don has always done that, and that's always mitigated pressures from you know his poor center play. But yeah, I think that it comes to a philosophical question of 
it's better to have dominant cover guys who can cover for, you know, that those first couple seconds or, you know, dominant pass rushers who can collapse the pocket better. Obviously if you have both, you know, you'll be fine, but it, you know, it, it's almost like it's leaning towards better cover guys over better rushers. But I mean, guys like Geno Atkins, Carl Zeno, they'll always have value because they are good players and they'll, they'll be able to win a one-on-one blocks. And especially with the fact that, you know, college game is transitioning from developing better pass rushers over better offensive linemen. Not many programs are developing offensive linemen who are able to come into the league better so, or at, at a high level. So I do think that cover quick cover guys are becoming more and more valuable, but pass rushers will always still have that value that they have. Yeah. Um, and, and that goes back a little bit to the old school mindset of this franchise and Marvin Lewis, you know, I mean, they're not, they're still kind of, they, they don't mix up a lot of looks up front. They still kind of do that old school base 4-3 defense, yes, a lot of the a lot of the times they, they trot out nickel as their base defense, but um, you know, a lot of teams in the league do the, the the three-man front with a lot of different blitzing linebackers and all that kind of stuff and different edge players to to try and create different mismatches up front. And um, you know, the Bengals don't really do that on their end. But you know, I think I think that there is still some value for a Josh Tupo, a an Andrew Billings in the AFC North because the Steelers still like to run the ball a lot. James Conner, you can tell. I mean, they're, they're, Le'Veon Bell is amazing, but James Conner has like four 100-yard rushing games this year. So, uh, I mean, teams are still getting backs that, you know, that they want to use. Yes, there's going to be more passing, and there is more passing, but – the AFC North teams, they all play outdoors. And as this time of year rolls around, weather gets crappy and everybody plays outdoors and you're going to need some bat. You're going to need to lean on the running game a little bit more probably than you did throughout. So having some of those big defensive tackles you need. But um, I do agree that some of those – that's that's why a Billings fell the way he did, right? I mean, I mean five-plus five years ago, that's a first-round pick. That's a first-round guy, right? Um but the league going the way it is, it's like, well, he can only play one or two downs, and, and that's it. Um, and, you know, where's the value in that if, if you're going to get a first-round guy? You want a guy that can play often. So um, interesting point. I thought that's that's an interesting question there from, from our listener. We've got a couple more questions queued up, and uh, we'll get out of here, John. Um, a bunch of people asked us this, including Sam Anger. Um, and we'll get to the rest of his tweet in a minute. But I saw it was Sam Anger asked us this. I saw Cincy Fan Jungle City in the live YouTube chat asked us this, along with a lot of other people. Now that we're at the midway point, now that we've seen what we've seen, and the Bengals are 5-3, and three, how do you see the rest of it playing out, and do they make the playoffs? What's your prediction here? Now, if you need some help, I'll pull up the schedule uh, because we do know that the the Bengals play the Saints next week, which is, yes, it's at home, and yes, it's outdoors, which uh, falls into their favor, but um, it's one of the best quarterbacks to ever play the game in Drew Brees, and he's going up against a defense that is a sieve at this point. So uh, we look here, you have the Saints, pretty tough stretch of games coming up here. Uh, in the next five weeks, um, you have the Saints at home. You go to Baltimore. You host the Browns. Um, you host the Broncos, and then you are at the Chargers. So those are the next five games, and then you got the Raiders, the Browns again, and then the Steelers to end end the season. So 
again, if you kind of want to break the schedule down in chunks, these next five games are pretty critical, especially since they're all, with the exception of one, they're all AFC games, um, and two of them are divisional. So that's kind of how the rest of the schedule plays out. Your thoughts? So I just literally counted on both hands, the wins and losses. I kind of, just on logic, three wins, five losses. Obviously, you know, crazy stuff happens all the time in the NFL, but I was just going off of, you know, Bengals typically do well against the Ravens, but I think that this Ravens team is going to have um, bad intentions based off of how last game went. I think they always are. I think this is the year that they go back to splitting Cleveland just because of the coaching change might revitalize, you know, what, yeah. what they have going on there. And plus I'm honestly scared of Baker Mayfield. Now um, saints chargers Steelers. Those are probably all losses because of obviously Drew Brees. Philip Rivers are great quarterbacks that can, you know, destroy this defense and at Pittsburgh week 17, there'll be a lot of implications on that. It might get flexed to prime time. We don't know, but I'm going to say, but I, I, you know, Broncos Raiders, I think those are basically pencil in the wins at this point and splitting the Browns. So I'm going to say floor is eight wins right now. And I would say best case is probably 10 and that's what they're going to need to get into the playoffs. So I guess the, the middle ground there is nine wins. So I'm going to say, yeah, eight or nine and, I'm going to say they just miss it, but that's, that's going off of just basically like wh- what the teams are on paper, what the quarterbacks are on paper, what the team is right now. Unless they show things that are drastically different, more consistency on offense, just a better overall philosophy on defense. I don't think they're going to win one or two of the games that they need to win. And that's why they'll probably fall one or two games short. Yeah. Um, I, I could totally see how you see, how you see them going three and five uh, because you look at it, they, they have terrible success against the Steelers. Um, I agree with you that I think this could be a year where they split with the Browns. I don't, I'm not as high on Baker Mayfield as you are. Um, but I think that the Browns defense is scrappy mm-hmm. um, and you know, weather gets bad. Who knows, who knows what's going to happen in those two games. I think they could split that. I think Denver should be a win. I, th- I think, th- I think they can take Baltimore again. I mean, they have good success against Baltimore. I, you know, so I see, I see like four wins yeah, and there might be one that they drop where you're like, dude, really? But they also get one, maybe at Chargers, maybe you know, maybe it's the the Ravens, maybe it's the Steelers. I see nine wins, and I see that Week 17 game probably meaning something. Yeah, um, for sure. And uh, I think, given what's transpired at the, and, and however the outcome is, I, I I do think if it's nine and seven, and the Bengals are fighting for their playoff lives in Pittsburgh. As, and the Steelers are doing the same, I don't like those odds. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do see that being the case. I think the Bengals probably go into that week with nine wins and maybe needing to win to get in or, or what have you. Um, so I, I will say nine and seven at this point, maybe barely missing the playoffs, um, potentially a wild card because the conference is, is kind of weak, but I see probably four, four wins in here. I hope actually it's the one again, at least one of them is against the Chargers because I'm going to that game. So oh. I would like to, I'd like to, I'd like to see them win, but uh, I say four wins, nine and seven, they'll sniff the playoffs. Maybe, especially if that last game comes down to it, especially if it gets flexed into prime time. Oh boy. So, uh, <laughs> That's that's where I'm at. We've got a lot of questions. We we got a lot of questions on that, and uh, we'll we'll see. James Napke says NBC will flex the final game against the Steelers. Bengals will get slaughtered. 
They'll still squeak in the playoffs, but lose a wild card game against the Steelers again. Wow. Poly positive right there. Uh, it's freaking likely, though. It, 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 it totally is. It totally is. <laughs> it totally is. Uh, you know, I mean, that's just, that's, yeah. But, you know, uh, the, we've said this before in this program, John, those are the teams that you need to beat in order to do anything in the league. You got to beat the Steelers. You got to beat the Chiefs. You got you got to beat the Patriots. I mean, if you if you ever want to be a championship team, those are the teams that you, you need to beat. And hopefully, this feast or famine team becomes a little more feast than famine over the over the next stretch of the eight games. And hopefully, they work out a lot of stuff over the bye week. One more question, and you mentioned it a little bit, John. But one more question we're getting a lot of in the live YouTube chat and everything. Um, is about Hugh Jackson. Uh, Hugh Jackson. Hugh Jackson was just for those who have been living under a rock. Hugh Jackson was just let go as the Cleveland head coach. Obviously, has major, major ties to Marvin Lewis and the Cincinnati Bengals. One of the most successful offenses the Bengals franchise has ever seen was under Hugh Jackson in 2015. Unfortunately, Andy Dalton got hurt that year. We all know how that season ended, and um, so on and so forth. We did see a lot of creativity that year out of the offense, which was which was kind of cool. Um, but you now you look at it and he's out there. Uh, it's funny. I think he's going on first take on Friday morning. So he goes from being fired on Monday morning to going to, I think Adam Schefter said he goes, he's fired Monday morning and now he's going to go on ESPN Friday morning. But, um, look, he's not, he's not going to be a guy to replace Bill Lazor. Bill Lazor's done some good things this year. Um, if you're looking at an offensive coordinator, I think most people would say, you know, position assistant, uh, offensive quality control. I don't know, some position for him. Is there a fit for him here? Or is it just like, dude, let's move on. Let's, uh, you know, Marv, love, love you, Hugh, but, you know, let, let's just move on. Or could he bring some value uh, as a position coach, as an assistant, that sort of thing? If he steps into Hamilton County, I'm throwing hands. <laughs> perpetual liar out of the Bengals organization. Just today, he said, I wanted Wentz, Watson, and Mahomes. The Browns would have been winning if had we had done it my way year one. The dude is a liar. The dude, I, I can't stand him. And, and Hard Knocks really valid, validated all my freaking hatred for this man. Keep him away. All right. The dude was 336 and one as the Browns head coach. And I know people are talking about him bringing us as a consultant or as an assistant. The guy started off like after he got fired from the Ravens, he started off as like a secondary assistant. Then he worked his way up to the offensive coordinator. And then had he had stayed, he was going to be the next head coach of this team. So don't, I, I don't get, I don't get how just, just him being here as like a low level responsibility guy is not going to have an impact on the future. I, I think that he has a legit relationship with Mike Brown, and if he gets back into the organization, he becomes the primary candidate to take over for this team as soon as Marvin Lewis leaves, and that is the exact opposite of what I want to happen if Marvin Lewis ever decides to give it up. Keep him away. Some other team just pick him up or hire him as a janitor or whatever. I don't want him to part of here at all, and I could not say that at all. That is probably the most emotionally charged John Sheeran I've ever seen on this program. And it's about Hugh Jackson of all things. God knows how dysfunctional they are. And um, I mean, the, the thing they can hang their hat on the most is the Kevin Costner movie at this point from a couple <laughs> of years ago. That's the most positive thing they've got going for him. So um, I'm going to say this about Hugh Jackson. I agree. He does not need to be with the Bengals. There's not really a place for him at this point anyway. 
but I will say this, and this is a prediction, and it may be a lazy prediction, and it may be a geographically based prediction, but I believe that Hugh Jackson will return to USC in some capacity, whether it's an offensive coordinator, head coach, um, that sort of thing. Clay Helton there is on the hot seat. T. Martin, who college football fans probably remember him, was an outstanding quarterback at Tennessee. Um, he is the offensive coordinator and has come under major scrutiny. USC is in transition, but they're also underachieving this year. So I think Hugh Jackson, where he was there with Carson Palmer, I think Hugh Jackson probably returns there in some capacity, offensive coordinator, head coach, something, or somewhere in the Pac-12 in general. I just think he, he's going to go to the college level if he wants to continue coaching. I think that's that's where he's going to go. But, um, you know, I I just – I don't. there's not a place for him here. There's not a place for him in Cincinnati. And um, maybe Marvin will get creative and cute with finding something for him, but I don't, I don't see it, and I don't, I don't see a need for it. Um, Unless he wants to divulge all of the Browns' secrets uh, this year and, and their game plans to the Bengals, then so be it. But uh, I don't, I don't see that happening. Thanks for all of the questions and, uh, and everything, guys. Sorry we couldn't take many calls this this week. We've been uh, we kind of ran up against it and got a little swamped here and ran a little long. But um, we appreciate you joining us on this bye week. We appreciate your questions. Get this show on all the platforms we have mentioned: iTunes. Google Play, Stitcher, Art19, CincyJungle.com, YouTube. Get the show. Listen to it. We appreciate it. And uh, tailgate with it. And we'll see you next time. This is the Orange and Black Insider. For John Sheeran, I'm Anthony Cazenza. See you next episode. I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seemed Smart. It Seemed Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seemed smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain, or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission, or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart. Right now, businesses are facing tough choices. Do you cut costs or drive growth? Solve for today or build for tomorrow? Do you satisfy your shareholders or satisfy your customers? The answer is yes. You don't have to choose. With the intelligent platform for digital business from ServiceNow, you can say yes to unifying your existing systems and yes to accelerating growth. Visit servicenow.com to see how we can help you put yes to work. The world works with ServiceNow. Support for this show comes from Wix Studio. Designers and devs, you might be able to do your thing better on Wix Studio a web platform with everything you need to deliver bespoke sites hyper-efficiently. Design teams get a ton of smart features that can take the grind out of web creation without it costing per-pixel control. Dev teams, you get a zero-setup, developer-first environment, combined with an AI code assistant and your preferred IDE for rapid deployment. Search Wix Studio today to explore the full range of features.